It's time to check in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living. We take a real, raw, inside look at healthier living while sharing great ideas and improvements for a better quality of life. The Concierge for Better Living will help informed, intrigued, and interested listeners like you make better choices for yourselves and your loved ones. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Concierge for Better Living with your host, Doc Rob. Hello and good day. This is Doc Rob, Dr. Rob Streisfeld, back with you again with another show of Concierge for Better Living here on CannabisRadio.com. And my guest today is a continuation of a previous conversation, Dustin Robinson from Mr. Cannabis Law and Mr. Psychedelic Law. Uh, Dustin, thank you for staying on with us and continuing this conversation. It's always great to have a, a talk with you, my friend. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited. I know we talked cannabis in the previous session. I'm, I'm excited to, to get into some of the psychedelic stuff. You know, and it's it's interesting because it's a wonderful transition. And, you know, we start with this plant medicine, this this revitalization awareness around cannabis over the last 15, 20 years. And I know a lot of people are only seeing it for the last few years, but it's been going around, you know, in California, the West Coast, other areas for quite a while. Um, you know, I think 98 maybe was a big year in California. So um, we're, we're, it's been going on for quite a while. But now in the last couple of years, you've really seen this next tier around drugs, uh, about around plant medicines, around uh, fungi and psilocybin specifically, magic in my finger quotes, magic mushrooms. Um, so it's very interesting that you pivoted learning from your experience in Mr. Cannabis Law. Uh, but tell our listeners a little bit about what Mr. Psychedelic Law is um, and how it little differs from Mr. Cannabis Law. Yeah, so, so Mr. Cannabis Law is my law firm. Um, we are a full service law firm for the cannabis and the psychedelic space. Um, and what happened was about a year ago, I had a lot of my cannabis clients uh, that were starting to inquire about psychedelics. I had one client that wanted to start a grow in Jamaica uh, for mushrooms. I had another client that wanted to do a psychedelic retreat in, in Brazil. At the time, I really knew nothing about psychedelics. I was not educated on psychedelics whatsoever. Um, and I, I actually turned down that work. I, I told them I wanted to stay, stay focused on cannabis. I really didn't understand the opportunity, but then, um, I started getting inquiries from some of the doctors I represent in the industry, and I started talking to guys like you, and, and, and to my surprise, all these medical and, and scientific experts that I, I, I work with were telling me that they believe tremendously in the therapeutic and medicinal value of psychedelics. And that's when I started taking it a little bit more seriously. I started doing some of my own research, started to reach out to some of the the, the people across the country that are leading uh, the legal reform around psychedelics uh, probably have spoken to literally just hundreds of people across the country. And, and what I realized is the biggest challenge for all my clients was what the law is currently for psychedelics. And I realized that the law makes absolutely no sense from a federal and state perspective, uh, especially based on, on the research that's coming out. So I saw that it's inevitable that we are going to see either a rescheduling or descheduling of some of these substances. We are going to start seeing FDA approvals of these substances, and we're going to start seeing states legalize these substances. So what I decided to do is create a nonprofit uh, which is called Mr. Psychedelic Law. And the nonprofit has the mission of using medical and spiritual research to drive responsible legal reform of psychedelics. So 
we've been working. Um, Doc Rob, you're you're on our board of directors, and I appreciate your work. You're also on our our medical advisory board. We have a team of of medical professionals and scientific professionals on our advisory board. We also have a spiritual advisory board, and and really, I have those boards to help guide our our legal team on drafting responsible legal reform. And I, and I emphasize responsible because these substances are powerful. Um, but just because a substance is powerful doesn't mean that it should be outlawed or prohibited. It's important. And when something's powerful, it can be used for good, but it can be used for bad. And it's important that the legal reform reflects that. So, you know, it's important that we put together the proper legal framework uh, for this industry so that it could thrive and so that it's done in, in a safe and effective manner. So that's what Mr. Psychedelic Law is. It is a nonprofit and we are focused on that legal reform. And, and I appreciate all the hard work that, that Doc Rob has put in to, to help this movement. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. It's something, again, as a healer, especially as a naturopathic doctor, someone that believes in the power of nature and nature's gifts and elements, it's like you have to recognize these compounds as potentially beneficial. And that's how I look at it. So I don't say it's guaranteed, you know, but that's what we have to do. We have to do research. We have to provide safe space for therapeutics, health practitioner guided therapeutics, which is what we're really pushing a lot around now. Um, I had, you know, our friend Zappy Zaplin uh, on my show talking about Mine Army, and you know I know you're involved with that as well. It's 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 just a great movement. I am my friend, you know I, I consider a friend and and industry colleague, Dr. David, not Dr. David Bronner. I always want to say Dr. Uh, you know the Bronners, you know pushing you know, forward on their efforts. Um, you know, in regards to maps and so many different movements. So with this election, we saw some big changes in the sense of uh, with Oregon and D.C. Um, can you explain, because I think people are a little confused. They think that all of a sudden all drugs are legal, all drugs are available, drugs are sold in the corner. It's like, that's what this, that's, I've, I've been hearing that. Like, I can't believe they just passed. That's not what happened, people. That's not what's happening. There's no walk into Walgreens and get a, you know, get a, a gram of Coke. That's not, the, that's not the scenario here. So can you give yeah. us a little picture of that? Yeah, yeah. I'll give kind of a, a really quick, the, 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 the landscape right now. So, so basically we've had four cities that have decriminalized uh, psilocybin mushrooms and other entheogenic plants and fungi. Uh, so, Denver, uh, San, Santa Cruz, Oakland, and Ann Arbor, they have decriminalized. Um, so it's important to understand the difference between decriminalized and legalized. So decriminalized just means that the, the, the city or the state is making it the lowest priority to prosecute people for these crimes. Legalization means it's actually legal. Um, so, so these four cities have just decriminalized, which just means once again, that they're making it the lowest priority um, what you've also seen simultaneous with that is that an FDA perspective, and that's federal, um, right now MAPS is in phase three clinical trials for MDMA uh, as it relates to PTSD. Um, and I feel very co confident that that's going to uh, push forward and that they'll yep. be successful. You're also seeing uh, Compass Pathway and USONA uh, with psilocybin at phase two. Um, and psilocybin has actually been deemed to be a breakthrough therapy by the FDA. Um, and, and, and breakthrough therapy is a term of art with the FDA that essentially means that it's, it's showing uh, more efficacy than some of the pharma, than, than the pharmaceutical products that are currently 
out on the market right. uh, treatment resistant depression and for major depressive disorder. Um, so that's from the FDA perspective, that's from a city perspective. And then now from a state perspective, what happened with these recent elections is that Oregon passed two measures, measure 109, which is the first legal framework um, for administering psilocybin at licensed service centers um, under the care of licensed facilitators. So that's measure 109. It has a two year rulemaking period. So it's not like we'll be seeing this rolled out immediately, but what's probably getting the most press attention is measure 110 in Oregon, which actually decriminalized all drugs. Um, so if, if you're you know, shooting heroin on the street or doing cocaine on the street in, in, in Oregon, it's just a hundred dollar ticket. Um, so it's just, it's still illegal. Doesn't mean it's legal to do, um, but it's decriminalized. And the concept there is that, you know, they're trying to open up, they're trying to allocate funds to opening up more treatment centers for, for addiction. Uh, so rather than sending people to jail, they hope to, to rehab them and get them better. We all know when people go to jail, their drug addiction usually gets worse, not better. Right. Um, so, so that's the concept out there. And then we've also saw DC in the recent election also um, from a state perspective, decriminalize psilocybin mushrooms and other entheogenic plants and fungi. So it is very clear that there is a huge paradigm shift going on. The movement is real. This is an inevitability at this point, much like cannabis, I think inevitably will be loosened up. More states will legalize. I think 2021 is going to be a tremendous year for plant medicine in general. Um, so yeah, I'm just really focused on, on being at the forefront and, and helping the industry progress in, in a responsible and, and, and effective manner. That's awesome. Well, again, I appreciate that insight on what's passed because the elections, I know it's confusing. I had a nice talk with a teenager who saw that, you know, a blitz on the news that drugs have been, you know, decriminalized in Oregon and the cocaine was on the ticker on the news. And she's like, wait, wait, cocaine. And, and, and I'm like, no, 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 no. There's here's the key. It's saying that if an individual uses it, which people are using it, and they get arrested or get caught with it, they're not going to be thrown with, handcuffed and thrown in jail, which they're going to have no chance to improve themselves or be better or come back and be healthy. They're looking to find ways to support them, give them addiction treatment, mental health treatment, other you know things that we can do. And that was just like, well, that makes sense. I'm like, that's all we're looking for. <laughs> From a teenager's mouth was to say, you know what, that makes sense a nice policy change in the right, you know, take, you know, more it's a humanitarian policy change, you know, that I think that's the kind of response that we're hoping to get more across the board. So, yeah, um, well, and, and I'll say I'm, I'm a huge proponent of measure 109. I think they did a really good job on that legal framework. As far as measure 110 goes, I, I think, you know, I'm not necessarily in favor. I'm not opposed to it. I think at the end of the day, the States under our 10th amendment are meant to be laboratories of experimentation. I think there is no doubt that this is a social experiment. Um, they tried yep. the social experiment in Portugal and apparently they've had some success with it. But, you know, I don't, I, I'm not necessarily an advocate for measure 110. I think it will be very interesting to see how this plays out. I'm hopeful that it works out very well, but make no mistake that this is this is much different than measure 109. This is much different than, than cannabis and psychedelic legalization. This is full decriminalization of all drugs. It's really important that we we separate that social experiment oh, yeah. from, from what's going on in the cannabis and psychedelic space. I, again, awesome. Appreciate that clarification. I like that social experiment 
representation of it because that's what it is. And that's, like you said, in Portugal, they did a, a, a pretty good job. But again, we have to keep learning and seeing how I'm an, I'm an anthropologist. I've studied culture, society, all throughout history. I like us pushing the envelope, but in a safe and uh, an observable manner. So that's awesome. So we're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back with some more Dustin Robinson. We talk more about psychedelics and where things are going after this quick break. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at Cannabis Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The Concierge for Better Living will continue in a moment. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on cannabisradio.com. And we are back uh, with my friend Dustin Robinson. We're talking about Mr. Psychedelic Law, the responsible approach to utilizing or changing, reforming the law of incorporating, you know, uh, these entogenic and, and plant medicines into our society, potentially leading to a new future of medicine and the way we treat people with varying conditions. And you mentioned it earlier, depression, PTSD, anxiety, we're seeing a lot of the potential here. Um, so many compounds. I know you mentioned MDMA with the MAPS, you know, clinical research, psilocin, psilocybin from the mushroom category. Um, we have ketamine. I know that's a big part of uh, the research and the, and the health practitioners right now because ketamine is a little different because it's already kind of has a drug approved, you know, kind of recognition. So how does it get like off labeled or how to get used? These are kind of things that are being kind of work through right now. I know you're part of that as well. How is ketamine? I mean, that's one of those things I know that we have, there's research being done in LSD and so many different compounds, but ketamine is a little bit of a different, you know, uh, I don't say animal, but compound. How do you kind of differentiate that or explain yeah, that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, look from, from, first off, from a legal perspective, there's a very important distinction. So, so right now, most, if not all psychedelics are schedule one, whereas ketamine, which is a type of psychedelic, it's a dissociative um, it is actually schedule three. So there's been an FDA approval for its use as an anesthetic. Um, there's also been, uh, a nasal spray recently as ketamine that has been approved for depression. Um, so what a lot of doctors are use are, are doing right now is they are using ketamine for its off label use, uh, to address various mental health conditions. And so, you know, a lot of people believe in a lot of these different psychedelics, whether it's LSD, ayahuasca, psilocybin, MDMA, they believe tremendously in its value in, in helping with some of these mental health issues. However, they're all still schedule one. So the opportunity with ketamine is that it's schedule three. So you're able to kind of build out the infrastructure um, for psychedelic assisted therapy 
while using ketamine right now, obviously with the hopes of probably eventually moving that psychedelic assisted therapy into MDMA once once that passes with the FDA, um, into psilocybin, into LSD. So a lot of the clients, the doctors, the clinics, the zappies of the world that I'm working <laughs> with, um, what they're doing is they're building out the psychedelic assisted therapy infrastructure using ketamine in a legal way, but with hopes that this infrastructure will be able to scale scale up as MDMA, psilocybin, and some of these other substances become come come online. So it's very exciting. Ketamine has tremendous results. Um, you mentioned Zappy. I represent him. He's got a telehealth business that I'm helping him launch, where they're going to be doing ketamine assisted therapy um, virtually. So you basically go onto their platform, you meet with a doctor virtually, the doctor will prescribe the ketamine, the ketamine will be delivered um, to that person's home. And then that person will schedule a one hour guided session with a trained nurse um, that, that will be with them as they take those ketamine lozenges. So it's kind of a unique approach. And, and I think it's important because if you think about people with depression, PTSD, addiction, they don't want to leave the house, especially with this pandemic. But just in general, right. people that suffer from those conditions, they don't want to go into a clinic. They don't want to see anyone. So as a result, they're not getting the treatment that they need. So what Zappy's doing is he's trying to bring um, the medicine to their home where they don't need to leave and they can get the help that they need right from their home. So I think it's going to really... Uh, change the the world of, of ketamine, change the world of psychedelics, and and hopefully change the, the the mental health of the world in a tremendous way. So I'm excited to be a part of that project. For sure, and, and again, it's really exciting. I, I think people that are listening need to write that down. I think it needs to be a term that we start to hear more often, which is psychedelic assisted therapy. You know, we've always explored psychedelics in this recreational or maybe even your own personal spiritual journey. But when you have that, you know, assistance of a health practitioner, of a nurse there to support you, I, I think people don't realize that a lot of it is your own anxiety that could trigger a negative effect during some sort of treatment. And having someone there to guide you, to support you, to comfort you, to manage that is tremendously beneficial in getting the results that are needed out of these medications, out of these compounds. So I, I'm excited. I think psychedelic assistive therapy is probably going to be one of the phrases of the of, of the 2020s, you know, the 2021 and going forward. It's going to be, you know, really a game changer. I always said cannabis-based therapeutics, um, which we're already seeing more and more of, um, is 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 over the last decade i think the next decade is definitely going to be psychedelic assisted therapies and um you know and maybe there are going to be some combinations of these things with some of these psychedelics with cannabis you know and seeing how they you know kind of interact and react and, and benefit people so there's so much nuance here and and so many opportunities but again i think the takeaway is responsibly managed <laughs> that people need to understand that um you know there are people who have been experimenting for you know, eons with these compounds and they're, and they're relatively safe. But if we want to build an infrastructure, if we want to shift the way society and our, you know, looks at these compounds, we have to be responsible and set up that, like you said, that, that, that foundation that sounds like, you know, that Zappy's working on that you guys are working that we're working on together as a whole, um, backing it with science, putting in the clinical data, Doing the, getting the results and, and, and keeping track of these things so we can move it to the next and scale it up because I think it's just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg, as they say, with psychedelic assist, assisted yeah. therapy. Yeah, they, they, you're absolutely right. And, and I compare 
So, you know, we talked about Arizona and Florida, how, you know, they had medical and it was a good way to start. And, you know, even Florida had this vertically integrated structure, which was a good way to start, right? You want to take baby steps. When you're using a new compound, you don't need to just do full legalization of everything right off the bat, right? So so the way I see it in the psychedelic space is the way the Oregon framework works is that at, you are required to have these, these substances administered at a licensed service center. So whereas in the cannabis space, you're, you're required to go pick it up from retail and consume it in private, right? right. That, that's required in most states that, that don't have social consumption. They require that you consume it in private. This is actually the opposite. You're not going into a retail store. You're going into a licensed service center and a licensed facilitator is guiding you through this, 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 uh, this journey. Um, but I do... I do think it's important. That's just a starting point. I think it's very important that we do open this up for the the entheogenic and the spiritual uses of the, these products. I think you should be able to go to retreats. You should be able to take them on your own. You should be able to do all these things. But I think the first step and the responsible first step is to have these administered at a licensed facility. And, and I kind of compare that, like I said, to you know Florida having medical, and vertical integration before going to to recreational and, and a horizontal structure, right? It's just, it's a way to ease into the industry, but just as I hope that Florida will, will transition to horizontal and recreational, I so too hope that um, the psychedelic framework will, will slowly evolve into a situation where you don't necessarily have to be guided you could go on your own personal journey but i think we're, we're quite some time away from that you know i think that the the, the future of the journey is, is is where we're looking at you know where it is on an individual basis as a as a public health basis um as vital basis i think we have a long way to go uh, i think that the um um progress has been somewhat exponential in the last couple of years in part due to the cannabis movement. Um, but, and especially with the public companies and the marketing that's been going on and in, in, in that regard around and, and excitement around psychedelics in that public space. But I think that overall, um, you know, like you said, it's, it, we need to pump the brakes a touch and make sure that the foundation is built strong and established, and then we can scale and, and, and grow and expand and, 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 go from there. And I think that's a really key point. People have to understand that you may be hearing about this now, or you may be, there's been work for hundreds of years and, and so much going back to the use of these plant compounds and these entheogenic medicines. And um, there is a spiritual component. And I think that people really have to, and I, and you know, I respect that 110%. I think that people need to understand that. Um, and some of that, it's interesting how ayahuasca, you know, for example, was very, underground and limited and you know a handful of people would be guided by a shaman and now you hear there's hundreds of ceremonies a day in california you know and people are experimenting and you don't hear people lining up in the hospitals and the r's you know and that's the key takeaway for me as a doctor is like you're not hearing or you're not seeing um the, a negative effect we want to be responsible still but yeah, yeah there is a safety profile there's so much more to go um it's just an exciting space to be we're gonna take one more break um and uh Wrap up this great segment with Dustin Robinson. Don't go anywhere. This is Doc Rob, your concierge for better living here at CannabisRadio.com. The concierge for better living will continue in a moment. The 
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Let's check back in with Doc Rob and the concierge for better living only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and we are back, and I know that we may have had a little in the internet. That's what happens these days with so many people on Zoom and so many people working from home. But I know that the takeaway here is is that there's so much potential. And Dustin, I appreciate all you do, both on the cannabis side, on the psychedelic side, by bringing this sense of reason and legal basis. Um, I like to bring in the science and the medical basis from that perspective. You know, that's why you have a medical advisory panel. You bring in with your other lawyers and legal team, this, this legal rationale and, and, and sound basis for a starting point and a plan going forward. That's another key. It's like, we're not just winging it, you know, shooting from the hip. There is a plan. And um, again, I just keep keep working on what you're doing. I know you're always hustling and out there. As I said earlier, it's hard to not see you at a conference, not see you involved. We're having these meetings. We're working on the nonprofit. So again, I just think that it's just amazing what you've been hustling and keeping busy with uh, here in Florida and on a larger scale. And uh, I've always got you back, buddy. So I appreciate you. Uh, where can people learn more about you, what you're up to, or any other good resources you want to share before we sign off today? Yeah, so uh, you go on my website, www.mrcannabislaw.com, um, or my site, the psychedelic website is www.mrpsychedeliclaw.com. Also on all social media, it's at Mr. Cannabis Law or at Mr. Psychedelic Law. Um, one other thing that I think is just important to note that, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the nonprofits don't necessarily like to talk about the, the money motive behind the psychedelic space, but we are seeing tremendous opportunities from an investment perspective, legal disclaimer, I'm not an investment advisor, so this is not investment <laughs> advice, but, but it's important to, to keep an eye on how these markets are moving. They're looking very, very similar to cannabis where the valuations are through the roof. However, cannabis had a bubble that popped. Um, I think it's important that we are that we are responsible stewards of this industry and we don't allow that bubble to pop. So I'm actually in the process of launching a $100 million uh, fund focused on the psychedelic space. I've gotten so much interest from, from investors and I've seen so many decks and, and I've seen so many opportunities come and go that I think this is really a way that we could influence the industry tremendously and we could help mental health, not only you know get a return on investment, but we could put this money to work to, to really try to address some of the enormous issues we have with this mental health crisis across the world. So I'm excited to be a part of the industry. I'm excited to be a part of all these various products for projects in the industry. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about what the future holds. I appreciate you, Doc Rob, for having me on. And, and anytime you, you want me on to, to talk to your viewers, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I appreciate that, buddy. And again, like you said, the, the, the stock side of it, the public play, the big psychedelic companies, you, you see a lot of former cannabis executives jumping over to the psychedelic side. And in part, I think because there's such a high valuation, um, I just watched a cannabis company um, that's struggling, lost money, but the executive, I think the CFO cashed out, you know, cool few million dollars, something like that out of his pocket. So the investor money that he's putting in his pocket and going to buy a vacation house on right now is those investors that got in early and saw that. And maybe they didn't get a chance to benefit or cash out. They hung in when the bubble burst, but 
this is happening in psychedelics. We want to make sure that the companies that are out there that are you know touting you know what they've got are backed by science. There are some really good ones out there, and they've done they've learned from cannabis as well that they need to have good foundational science. They have to have good IP. They have to really be real and not just hyping up you know potential ideas in the future and taking your money to try to see if it works, but really have some good you know backing or already some good substantiated you know information or, or content already in place. And there are a bunch of those companies out there doing it well. I'm excited to see how this shakes out and which ones rise to the top for sure. And, and Doc, Doc Rob, that's that's important for investors to understand. And that that's the value of investing into a fund that has the expertise to properly assess um, what what these companies are, are representing. You know, I've gone on the phone with so many of these companies where we're developing developing this IP for formulation or this process or this, that, and the other. And you very quickly realize once you start digging into it that they really don't have anything. They, it's just an idea at this point. Yep. They don't have access even to the compounds that they're <laughs> claiming they're trying to develop. So it's, it's very important. I tell investors, just be careful about what you're investing in. Work with someone who's an expert in the industry, really a team of people in the industry. Because I, I understand the legal aspects, but you know, my fund, we're going to have medical advisors, scientific advisors, tech advisors. Um, when you're assessing the, these investments, they're risky investments um, and they could have a huge return. Uh, but you could also lose a lot of money. So it's just important to make sure that you're you're working with the right uh, team and that you're doing the due diligence that's required. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You heard it from Dustin Robinson, attorney, CPA, all-around great guy. And um, again, wonderful having you on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening, for sharing, for downloading, for spreading the word, for shooting messages over at our social media handles, both Dustin's at Mr. Cannabis Law, Mr. Psychedelic Law, as well as mine. Uh, You can find me at Doc Rob. Thank you, everyone at Cannabis Radio for making these shows happen. I really do appreciate it. And uh, as we sign off today, as always, I wish everyone all the best in health and happiness. Take care and be well. expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.